All right, here we go. Another episode of our podcast, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Are you? Oh man, it's uh, September. It is September. What are we? We're on the third right now. We're September third. Yes. Third. You look rested, even though this weekend you didn't have a lot of rest. I am not rested at all. Are you? I'm glad I look rested. You look rested. You probably just drinking the coffee. No, you had a zip fizz. I did. Right. <laughs> I you had did. a. Yeah. I was dragging, and we we uh yeah. We've been going hard, man. We we're. It feels like kind of a total renovation of our house up north right now. You basically are. It feels like you're renovating. We've painted. We're going to, by the time we're done painting everything, fixing everything. Uh, and then we had a handful of deacons drive up from Valley and they rebuilt our back deck. Nice. Okay. So I need to shout out to uh, Dave Moore, Dave Custer, Mike Fisher, and John Cannell. They might not be listening to this, but uh, I'll tell you what, those guys, they did an awesome job helping out with our deck well that's awesome all right do you mike do you see yourself as a handy guy or did you kind of let lean that let them kind of take over well honestly for that there was so much help there and then Jaden was back there helping that i i actually did other projects while they were doing that because i they they had more than enough help but I'm, i'm a decent decently handy guy although it was really funny as we were talking about one of the other projects um one of those deacons i, w- I won't name him now but okay. uh but i was discussing it with him and we were trying to troubleshoot how to handle an issue okay and he says listen here preacher you, you you're pretty good at preaching but you let me handle this part <laughs> i feel like i know who that is but we don't need to name that that's pretty really awesome though it was really fantastic actually i loved it have i ever told you how i got started into like my small woodworking and like handyman stuff yes Okay. Okay. But you probably haven't told our podcast. Right, okay, I'll, I'll, so I'll share it. So, like, let's let's take a, a trip down story m- lane. Memory, memory lane. lane. Yeah. Here we go. So, like, four years ago, it was our last big, big, big Halloween fest before uh, my friends the Dogarnos moved to Montana, and I was sitting in the sanctuary working on something, and our children's director at the time came in and said, "Hey, I need someone to go build X, Y, and Z," and I said, "Well, I'm not doing anything at the moment. I can help you with that." And she looked at me and just bluntly said, "Andrew." I need someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. And I looked at her and I'm like, Ooh. that's a fair point. <laughs> and she walked away and I kind of got put in my place and I realized I could learn how to do stuff. So I bought tools and I started doing things and started fixing things around the house and for any opportunity I can. So that was a couple years ago. So thanks, Caitlin, if you're ever listening to this nice. for, for, you know, wounding me, but wounding me <laughs> in a way that inspired me to not be so helpless. So speaking of inspiration and fixing things and building things, yeah. my son, Jaden, he okay. just discovered the show. I think it's called Forged in Fire. What it's, is this? It's a, uh, I think it's like on a history channel and uh, he only watches the grandparents house because they have the cable and the direct TV and all that okay, stuff. Okay. But it is a TV show on uh, being a blacksmith and it's like a blacksmith competition Crazy. making knives and weapons. And so now Jaden, I mean, he is, he is calculated down to the cent how much money he needs to earn to buy a home forge to buy all of the tools and all of the safety equipment so he can start learning how to be a blacksmith like this is he talks about it right now this last week almost incessantly really i mean it is i don't know what we're gonna do man I i think we might end up having a forge in our house in the next year or so that's really cool so like my brother is really into that as is well, he too, really? and he's been looking. So he, he actually, I, I, there is a school or a trade, whatever, in Portland that you can go 
for, I think it's like you can do an, a week intensive or you can do several weekends mm-hmm. and you will learn some introductory like blacksmithing 101 and then yeah. they hook you up with supplies and stuff and where to go in Portland to get whatever you need to start wow. doing it at home and stuff. He's really excited about that. That's maybe something Jaden should should look into. But blacksmithing is becoming more and more of a thing is what I'm told. It's all over YouTube. And I'll tell you right what, these, uh, these, I've watched some of the episodes with them. They're, they're really enjoyable. I okay. mean, to, to watch the process of someone forging this weapon and the, the deal is they have to make some pretty creative weapons also or historical weapons. Okay. Uh, we're, we're definitely off on a we're, tangent. But yeah, that's weird. But it yeah, it's really fun to watch and to see him just dream about creating. Okay. That's super cool. I, I, I have to check that out. It's called Forged by Fire. Forged in Fire, I think. Forged in Fire. All I right. think so. History Channel, I think. All right. I'll check it out. History Channel does have some streaming stuff, so maybe I can find it online. So guess what I did this last weekend? I know what you did. You know what I did. Yeah. What did, what did I do? Uh, you slept in on no, I did Sunday. Not. And, no, I did uh, not. I was here. <laughs> I, was, I stayed up late, but I was here Sunday, man. I was dying, <laughs> but I was definitely here. <laughs> what? <laughs> You uh, you partied hard. Oh yeah, on Saturday night. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was at the uh, the Ackerman Cadell wedding. I guess should I say Ackerman because Jesse became an Ackerman. So is it an Ackerman wedding? I think so. Is that how that goes? All right. It's weird to me that she's no longer a Cadell. But man, that was that was super cool. I I was just sharing with you before we started recording, but this is actually the first time for me that I was able to look at a couple and be like, man, I have had the opportunity to speak into and walk with both of the people who are being married right now Mm -hmm. and just to see where they've been as teenagers and then starting, you know, life outside of high school and then moving into what they're doing now, which they're not too far out of high school, but now, and it's, it's been really, I don't want to say it's rewarding because I don't feel like I did anything, but it's, uh, it just reminded me of how important community is and how important it is that we all be there for one another as we are. Everyone's just kind of walking through life and figuring it out. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, yeah. I'm so happy for them. And it's really awesome to see a young couple get married and, oh, and just yeah. to see the, the future they have ahead of them and the way they there's a striving to love each other and love the Lord. And there's just a lot of hope with that. And so congrats to them. Yeah. And uh, blessings sure. to them for sure. For sure. So Mike, as we uh, actually, I wanted to pivot now from, you know, kind of our updating stuff into the topic, but I, I did want to say really quick. Now we are starting something amazing this month within our church and we are relaunching life groups. Do you want to speak into that a little bit at all? Because I know some people have asked for a while, like, you know, how do I get into a life group? And we haven't talked much about life groups in the last maybe year or so, but now we're doing something we're, we're stepping up the plate and there's a reason why we're, we're stepping up. I and mean, there's a reason why strategically we haven't really said much in the last like nine months. Yeah. We've kind of just let life groups sit on the back burner, not because they're unimportant, but because we didn't have some of the, the structure uh, built into them. And, and so we've slowly been introducing some structure and some vision. We had a couple of really great meetings uh, last month with oh, life yeah. group leaders where we really said, Hey, life groups, the bottom line is, is they're, they're a mechanism for discipleship. And they're a way to help people mature and become more and more like Jesus Christ. And it was just, it was fun to see some of the the life group leaders kind of catch a vision for that and get excited about that. Yes. And to see people of the church who have been saying, hey, I want to be part of a group. And we've kind of said, just hold on, hold on a little longer. And, right. and now we've really, we've put them out there. I think there's some information on online as well, but we're, we're just excited to see people 
get connected in communities that are focused on the gospel and discipleship built on the gospel and helping people become more like Christ. It's the timing could not be better right now because as we are stepping forward as a church, I have noticed more and more, we have so many new families who are hungry to connect with other families. And as we kind of let that stoke, that fire stoke a little bit now, I think we're going to hit life groups with a just a strong communal push. I've already had people uh, who are new to our church contact me and say they want to be part of my life group that we're, we're moving on to Tuesdays. And I'm excited to see new blood. I'm excited to run deep with these people and just connect and really see the church become the church. Yeah. We, we say this all the time. The church isn't the service you attend. It's the community you plug into. Yep. And so it's going to be super important and rewarding to see families plug in and just truly walk with one another through life. Yeah. Uh, Jess and I are really excited. You know, she's done some women's groups and I've done some like leadership discipleship groups, but uh, we've kind of kept that offline. And and now we're actually, we're going to have a life group, Jess and I are, where we're uh, honestly just kind of jumping in both yeah. feet into the, the group's ministry and discipleship. And I know we've got a few couples already that are going to be part of our group. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about it this weekend, but see who right. else jumps in there. But, but I'm, I'm excited to start building some of those other relationships and just being part of a smaller community. That's not yeah. just straight leadership. Yeah. When, when is your group starting or what day is it being Sunday nights, on? Sunday nights. Okay. We're starting, uh, the, I think the third weekend in September. Okay. So from when this launches, is this going to, this will be out next week. So, so it will be the weekend after, okay. Uh, this, this posting. That's awesome. So, if people are listening right now and they want to get connected with life groups, if you're attending Valley, you can do so by filling out a connection card. Mm-hmm. But also you could even email the office, right? Yep. And just start getting connected from there. Office at vcflongview.org. Correct. Hit us up on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And by the time this is out, I should have a link on our website to be able to, to sign up for different life groups. So just check it out there. But if you want to get plugged in, if you want to see what's available, information's out there. It's going to be on the website. It's going to be on our Facebook page. It's even, I think it's, it was in our bulletin last week and it'll continue to be in our bulletins. Yeah. So there's information. So feel free to peruse the catalog and get plugged in. And we got some great life group leaders. Yeah. Man, I'm excited we got some for the really hall. great yeah. life group leaders and, and some of the curriculum content. It's going to be really good. And oh, okay. I'm going to plug this. I'm going to okay. plug this really hard. I'm excited about this. So on top of the life groups, we're also launching a midweek kids program. We're going to soft launch right now, but this is, this is why I'm excited. Steven. Hall is going to do the gospel project and I could go on and on and on why I think the gospel project is going to be awesome. I'm also doing a life group based on the gospel project, but that's going to start on a Tuesday. He's going to do his on a Wednesday. The kids ministry is also going to do the gospel project on Wednesdays. Now, the reason why this is amazing is that the gospel project is going to discuss chronologically of the Bible and how it connects to the overarching narrative of the gospel, how it all points to Jesus. So it's not like these random Bible studies and you just take out whatever you want to hear from it, but it all points back to Jesus and you're going to learn doctrinal truth. It's going to be a great thing. And the kids are going to be learning that as well too. But this feeds into our, our desire to help families grow and, and to this, my desire to see parents disciple their kids. It's going to equip families and parents to know scripture and then to be able to talk about it 
and walk with their kids through what they're learning. Yep. It's going to be powerful. It's one more connection for how we are gospel driven to build strong families. Those two connect. Yes. And this is really us helping parents kind of leverage their own discipleship, their own spiritual growth so that they can actually turn around and then pour into their, their children's lives. Yeah. So watch out Valley. Great things are coming this September. Lots so. going on. It's exciting. Oh yeah. It's good stuff. All right, Mike, I want to continue our conversation through the book nine marks. Who's that by? By Mark Deaver. Oh, no, <laughs> there's no, there's no S and Z at the end. Right. <laughs> so Mike, a couple of weeks ago pointed out that I like to add S's to the end of things. The truth is when I'm not sure, I just add plurals. Okay. I, I guess. I don't know. I yeah. just do that. For the longest time, I used to say the book of Revelations. Okay. It wasn't until I think college that someone said, Andrew. Someone corrected you. Yeah. There is no S. At, there at is only of, one revelation. It's just the revelation of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. in America to the Native American. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, <laughs> Lord have mercy. It's a Mormon thing. Anyway. So we're back on track. Talk about Mark Deaver. In his book, Nine Marks on a Healthy Church. Uh-huh. Now, we are on Mark 4, I believe. Yeah. On conversion. Now, this is, this is a, not that the other topics were not as important, but this is a very crucial topic. And the reason why this is important is it, it informs a lot of ourselves. It informs how we interact with other people as we meet other so-called Christians. And I say so-called, I don't mean to to sound condescending, but you're, you're, I guess you're going to see what we're going to talk about here, mm-hmm. what, what, we, what we mean by that. But before, I guess before we jump into that, um, I guess, Mike, on, uh, from your perspective as pastor of our church, why, why is talking about conversion so important? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it connects back to the first three uh, marks and how they're kind of, th- these marks are leading a certain place, right? And so mark one is, uh, you know, expository preaching. Yeah. Right. And then you have uh, the Mark. What was Mark two? Uh, Biblical theology or sound theology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Mark three was the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so you have this, this it's building. Yeah. And so expository preaching has everything to do with the authority of God's Mm -hmm. word. Right. Yep. And then it it builds toward understanding. Okay. uh, Let's look at the whole scripture together. And then after that, okay, well, let's properly understand the gospel. And then where does the gospel lead? The yes. gospel leads to life change. It leads to regeneration and conversion, mm-hmm. which are, those two are, they're tied together. And so regeneration is is when someone becomes a new believer, when they become, you know, a new creation. Mm-hmm. And then conversion is, I guess the the way to put it is the, the, the man action side of things. When you or I, we actually turn from our old life and we turn toward Christ and follow him. And so conversion is saying exactly what Jesus says in John chapter three, when someone must be born again, it's, it's this, this moment where you recognize I am, I have been born again. I'm no longer living my old life. I'm actually now living a life that is pursuing the things of God by the work of the gospel, not by myself, not by my own power, but I'm pursuing God because of who Christ is and what he's done for me. And so conversion, it, 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 and I know we, we hesitate doing this sometimes, but it draws a line in the sand. It does. And it says that these are those who are actually in the faith, who, who are born again, Christians. And, and it calls us to, recognize that, that 
we might not be right. in the faith if we actually have not trusted the gospel and and been born again. So I want to jump in and eventually talk about, you know, we'll define conversion and regeneration. But I, I think about, as we talk about why this is so important, I can't help but think about the passage in Matthew. It says, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. This is so important because there are so many people who think that they're saved or think that they are a Christian. Maybe they, they might even not use the word saved. They just might think that they're a Christian yeah. because they've, they go to church or they're a Christian because they grew up in America. Their family's or, Christian or that they, they have a Bible. Believe in God. Yeah. Right. And with that, they, the Bible <clears throat> says the authoritative, the authoritative word of God says that when they meet God on the day of judgment, he will say, go, for I never knew you. Yeah. Sincere beliefs that are wrong are still wrong. Right. So uh, sometimes I'll use this illustration if I'm just meeting with someone in kind of an informal way. If there's like a fridge, there's actually a fridge in this room. I don't know when the last time you looked in there was, but uh, uh, about a week ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I cleaned it so, out. Did you clean it out? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll say, hey, um, in that fridge, there's a, there's a Sprite. And I'll know there's not a Sprite in there, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll say, would you go grab it for me? And typically they'll go and they'll look at it and they'll come back and they'll be like, hey, I didn't see a Sprite in there. I was like, no, no, I, I believe there's a Sprite in there. Would you go grab it for me? And I'll, I'll say it three or four times until they're like, Mike, come look, there is no Sprite. And, and then that's when I make the point, like even if I'm completely and entirely sincere in my belief that there's something that exists over there in that fridge, if, if, it, if it's the wrong belief, if it's not correct, if it's not true, mm -hmm. it's wrong. Right. Correct. And so th this leads us to that. You, what you just quoted from Matthew seven, everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, everyone who says, Oh, I, I, I went to church. Oh, I, I, I did I all did these things in your name, Jesus. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And so this it doesn't matter. This means that we, we must, we must teach. We must call people to new birth, to, to a sincere, authentic faith in the death and resurrection of Christ. And, and then God's spirit is yeah. what brings them into regeneration. And then conversion, you, you said you'll talk about what it means. Well, it means to turn. It's, yeah. it's kind of synonymous with repentance. It's, mm -hmm. it's turning from my old life and converting to a life on the path of following Christ. Right. And, that's, and it's important because what this will do is that it informs I, almost two audiences. It informs the listener who thinks that they're saved maybe has never even questioned it and maybe helps them identify, man, I, I, I have built a lot of my faith or a lot of my thought process on false ideas. Maybe I don't know what the gospel is and it'll lead them into saving knowledge of Christ because you should be asking yourself these questions, right? Mm -hmm. I, I personally feel that a genuine Christian as some, from time to time will wonder, am I saved? Mm -hmm. Am I saved or not? Because I feel like if you were to just be blind and just think that you're just charging through life and never questioning as to whether or not you're safe because you don't struggle. I don't think you're paying attention Yeah. then. Right. And it also informs, it also informs like, a fa I, I think earlier we talked about this. You said, uh, a, a parents, how to, what to look for in their kids as they're being raised in the faith. But I would also say any discipler who is connecting with any other, other Christian and feel like, man, does this person really know Jesus mm -hmm. or is this person missing it? Yeah. Because I feel like as pastors, don't you feel this way? Like it, it seems like a lot of our work is helping people get there. There's a lot of like half truths or there's a lot of like misconceptions to the faith. And it's a lot of just clearing up some my information and then clearly presenting Jesus to the mm -hmm. best of our abilities so they can yeah. really connect 
with the Lord. That's misconceptions run rampant. Yeah. This morning I read Jude, Jude and it talks about contending for the faith and it's this, this picture of like striving and even battling for truth. Right. Right. And so that's what conversion, it, it brings us to the spot where I think Mark, Mark Dever, he talks about on one end, we, we can err with just this arrogant assumption or uh, presumption that we're saved, right? Yeah. And so that's the mindset that says, oh, you, well, you know, I'm saved. And so, you know, I've, I've gone to church or I've done these things. And so I can kind of live my life however I want. I'm, I'm covered and I'm saved. And that conversion, it challenges that because it says, no, you convert away from your old life. You convert to an allegiance to Christ as Lord. But then the other thing conversion, teaching about conversion does is it says, okay, if, if it, it protects us from despair, because you think about when, you know, when we sin, right? I think about this situation this last weekend. I, I've actually been rolling around in my head where I, I think I might've been arrogant in a conversation and I, and I, it's on my, my radar. I need to go re- return to that conversation. And I remember thinking about it as I'm working on my house this week, kind of just grieving and like ticked off at myself. Like, Mike, you're an idiot. Like you, you've, you sinned and, and, you know, I start going down this path in my mind where I'm beating myself up and whatnot what that does in me is it leads me to this moment where I says, Oh yeah, but my salvation is not built on my ability to not be a jerk all the time. My ability to never say the wrong thing. That's not why I'm saved. And it leads me back to trusting in Jesus and his death and resurrection for me. That is, that's my hope. That's my vindication before God. That's what I cling to. And, and so what conversion, the truth of conversion is it reminds me of that reminds me it's not about me. And it actually, it safeguards me from that despair. It brings me actually hope. And that's where assurance in our faith comes from. Because, okay, I'm an idiot. I messed up again. And then I fall back on Christ and his work and not on my ability to be an okay guy. And in many ways, we've had this discussion before, but those are kind of the thoughts that should be running through someone's mind when we take the Lord's Supper, right? When we struggle, when we repent, or when we're we should be assured that Christ is enough Mm -hmm. that as he is working in and through us, we are being sanctified. We are being changed into his likeness. Christ is enough. And our salvation, our, our stance before the Lord is not contingent on how good we are, what we do or how we perform. It's about Christ's finished work. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about this all day long because conversion is part of like understanding, unwrapping the whole ball of yarn that is salvation. Yeah. That involves justification, that involves sanctification. The result is glorification and you have repentance and you have faith in there and you have regeneration and conversion in there. Right. And, and so some of those items you think about, you know, you talked about being sanctified. Well, before God, my life is hidden with Christ and God. Like I, I am positionally, I am sanctified. We've talked about this before, maybe on this podcast or just in conversations yet. I have this progressive sanctification where every day, every week, every year, every decade, my life is being transformed to look more and more like Christ. And you know, this loops us all the way back to discipleship. We started by talking about discipleship and discipleship is, is every believer all of us interacting with each other and with the world in a way that we are doing. I think the, the definition we used is we are doing spiritual good to someone so that they can become more like Christ so that we can grow in that progressive sanctification. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I said we were going to define conversion and you, you already mentioned it. Conversion essentially is repentance to turn yeah. It's yeah. to turn. Yeah. So can you kind of elaborate? So conversion and regeneration go hand in hand. We've discussed that off air, but now here we are talking about it. 
So can you kind of give an illustration of what it looks like to be converted and then maybe define and maybe exemplify regeneration for someone who doesn't know what those terms mean? Okay. So um, regeneration is an act of God, right? Yep. God acting upon a soul, bringing it from spiritual death to spiritual life. Like that is a supernatural act. Faith and, and regeneration happen in that moment when God's spirit works in a soul and we come to that faith in the gospel, right? right. Conversion, I, I mean, it's, it, you, you have to think about this more like a unit than chronologically. I mean, we try to separate them chronologically and I'm not sure if we ever really can understand how to separate them chron- chronologically. We can logically separate them, right? right? When That's called the ordo salutis and all mm-hmm. that, but... Uh, but step back in conversion really is simultaneous where you, you say, okay, my life's allegiance up to this point, the bottom line, it's been allegiance to self, however that's expressed. So an allegiance to self in my, my reputation of being, you know, this outstanding guy or reputation to self in my pursuit of a certain kind of pleasure or a certain kind of experience, but it all boils down to self, right? And I'm conversion in my conversion. I'm turning from this devotion to myself to a devotion to God and seeking his glory through Christ. Right. That's that, that's that illustration, that turning it's, you know, an illustration we used um, a month or so ago on a Sunday was um, uh, someone marching. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And they say, you know, stop about faith or about face and then quick march, right? And so there's this halting, this turning 180, and then hightailing it in the other direction. That's that's the kind of illustration we're talking about. That's what conversion is. It's my life was going this way, and now it's going the other way. Right. Which means for the Christian, we're, we're not trying to look like the world. We're not trying to hold on to all the things of our old life and all of the identities that we clung to and saying, this is what defines me or this is where I find my satisfaction. This is where I find my security or my hope. Like we actually drop those things right. and we turn and we say, no, Jesus is where I find my hope mm-hmm. and my joy and my satisfaction. He is, he is worth everything to me. Yeah. So, and that's even exemplified through baptism, right? We no longer live for ourself, but now the new creature who raises out of the water now lives for Christ. Yeah. So that's conversion. What is regeneration? Yeah. That's, the act of God right. in the life of a soul. It's the new birth. It, it's it's the, what God is doing in order for that to actually even happen. Mm-hmm. And so, and I guess, I guess what I was getting at is that the act of regeneration has nothing to do with us, right? It's, it's, it's God's work. Yeah. And so it's, it's something that just, it just happens. That's why like, I think in a believer, we should be able to assume the working of the Holy Spirit in a true believer, because that's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that someone is regenerated, right? That, that conviction, that growth, that everything, in, in, even if like a, a Christian who his heart is hardened to the spirit over the course of time or something like that, it's still the working of the spirit who works, who convicts, who really destroys lives too. And, and brings about the glory of God in someone's life. And I, I, I'm trying to remember why, this is important for me to bring up. I guess it's if God is at work in someone's life, we need to recognize that that's a work of God, that we are to be faithful to, to just to the moment. I guess what I'm getting at is there are Christians oftentimes that we, we take it upon ourselves to see other people get saved, that we think that we need to preach the gospel 
so that in, in over and over again to make sure that someone is it that we are trying to save someone when it's not our work. We are to be faithful because God calls us to do that. But whether or not someone is genuinely saved, it's, that's a work of God. And we can be confident in that because when God does move, nothing can undo that. Yeah. That is the work of God. Right. Okay. I think I know where you're going now. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I didn't have a chance to yeah. really think through what I wanted to say, but that's, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. This yeah. circles back to when this podcast gets posted, this will be a couple weeks old, but you know, the, the end of Acts chapter two, verse 47, and it talks about how the Lord added to their number daily or yeah. day by day, those who were being saved. And that just, we, we, we really have to recognize we don't save anyone our greatest argument isn't one is going to win someone to the kingdom of God. Yeah. We should have persuasive arguments and all of that. But at the end of the day, we can't regenerate anyone. That's God's spirit that does that. And only, only the spirit of God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause anything else is manipulation. Yeah. It's emotional kind of coercion. It is. And so we bring this up. I, I think it's important, at least in my mind is that when we are here to serve and to preach the gospel and to build up churches and there's a part of me that for the last few years, I have written over and over again in my journal that I want to be a part of something genuine, you know, to get away from the smoke, the lights, the mirrors, to all these things. I want to be a part of a movement of God. And I'm not trying to downplay the idea of production or even hype, because I think that if God puts that in that skill and that ability to move through people to do that kind of stuff, then, then do it. I'm, I'm a techie at heart. I love doing that kind of stuff. YouTuber. Yeah, I guess. That's... I have a funny story. I think I told that story already. Yeah. Anyway. But when I say that I want to be a part of a genuine movement of God, what I'm looking for is just God to turn hearts back to him. So it's not like, it's not always like this super emotional moment in the middle of a church service, but I really think a movement of God is, it's usually like a whisper. It's, it's a gentle thing where you see just someone just break. And they want to come to know the, the Lord. And it's not always through these dramatic p- moments where people are cr- running up to the stage to, to give the altar. But it's like these, these moments that eventually God is just building someone up and br- calling them home. So would you agree you would rather have a, a service that is just, it, it's not the, the most exuberant is not the most polished. It's not the most charismatic speaker. Um, and, and really it's just faithful. And then to, to see God do what he can do through that. Is that what you're, you're trying to say or? Yeah, I, I am. And there are layers to that because I think in history, uh, I wasn't Charles Spurgeon, but there are, there are some notable preachers in history that were just dry. They were just absolutely dry and they would get up and they would just read in a monotone voice because they felt like they didn't want to get in the way of the move working of the Holy Spirit and they would just present whatever mm-hmm. it is and people people would hear and see the movement of God and just be a part of that I would rather that than walking into something that's highly produced and it feels fun and it feels energetic, but God's not there. And I don't want to mistake God's presence for a feeling. And, but I don't want to knock that stuff either. Right. Because I, I do think that if God, and this is, this is the, this is a completely different conversation, but I have, I've had these conversations with other worship people that there is a place in my mind for production. If that is placed on your heart and that's the gifting that God has given you. But 
I think when a church chases hype over the presence of God, right? If they chase, chase relevancy and hype before they chase repentance and a and movement of the spirits and faithfulness to the word and faithfulness to the word. When we do those things, we are producing a culture where people will come to a church, think they're saved, die, and then end up in the lake of fire for all eternity. And that's not okay. Because it's not the it's not the music that saves someone. It's not the preaching that saves someone. It's God, it's God in, the, in, in His work and what He's doing, and we get more of that when we're faithful to Him. Mm-hmm. When we get out of the way, I hope I've represented my thoughts well on that. Because <laughs> I don't want people thinking like, "Oh, Andrew's really against like production or mm-hmm. whatever." And I just I'm not. I just hate it when people chase that above all else. Makes me think of Charles Finney. And, uh, you know, he had this reputation that he could walk into a room and look at someone and they would be converted or not that, that they would become a believer supposedly. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, and I'm not saying this in a positive light, actually, I'm saying it in a negative light because Mm -hmm. a lot of that was man-made. A lot of it was his persona, his Mm -hmm. charisma, his personality. And a lot of the results were short lived because it was very emotional. It was very height driven in terms of not, not lights and smoke and all that, because right. that, that wasn't even in that era, but it was in his charisma in his personality and, mm-hmm. and almost the cultish leadership of yeah. like, you, you know, uh, have an emotional experience and now you're a believer versus really trust in the gospel, be made new by Christ and pursue him in his word. Yeah. That's what you just outlined is a struggle that I have in my mind all the time. I am pretty confident in who the Lord has made me to be. I feel like I'm a pretty charismatic guy. I naturally lean into leadership and leadership positions. People want to follow or be a part of things I do. And I can feel in my heart when I am forcing something just because of based on my talents and abilities versus the difference between when God has actually led me to do something. But I know early, early in my journey, I couldn't tell the difference. And I didn't know if I should just disregard who I was meant to be or should I just be negate all that and just be super dry and monotone. And I, because of the things, what you just like, what you just said with someone else, I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. I, I know like in youth ministry growing up, the youth ministry that I was a part of that I led when I was a kid was all based on hype and games. So we grew, we grew a lot, but coming back home, as I look at lives that we like, I, I can't, I, the stories aren't over yet, but there's a part of me that wishes that that feels like there should be some spiritual fruit that should be present now because it's been years. And where, where is that? And I wonder like, is it because I base I built a youth group on the word of God or did I build it on hype and fellowship and fun mm-hmm. and being trained now, I look back on it and my go-to wasn't the word. It was just my strategy as a kid, as a, as a young youth minister was do whatever I can, I can to attract kids and then get them to camp because when we get them to camp, they'll hear the preaching of God's word and then they'll get saved. But the issue with that is that it's because I've heard mentality. Everyone who goes, this is a completely different tangent, but like, Everyone who walks up onto that stage is doing it because someone else is doing it. So I can't tell anymore if someone's actually saved. But actually, that's why we're talking about this. Conversion is important. It informs what we're aiming for when we're in ministry. It really does. Yeah. Sorry, that was a long tirade. (laughs) So coming back to this, earlier we said, Mike, that this, this informs 
parents and disciples mm-hmm. and what they should be looking for, how they should be communicating, how they should be working with their own families and their kids and stuff. How has this played out for you? I guess as, as a father right now, as you, as you are discipling your own kids, I, I think it would be easy for your kids to grow up being very familiar with how churches work and operate and knowing the lingo. So how does this inform, I guess, what you're looking for as you are just discipling your own family? Yeah. I mean, so a big prayer of mine is that my kids aren't uh, churched, disconnected from the gospel. I mean, you're right They're They're part of the culture, you know, they, they, uh, they come to services, they serve already. They, they lean into that. They, they, they know how to, I guess, play the game maybe even better than I do in terms of like how to fit in, in the church culture. And so man, the last thing I want is for my kids to grow up professing, but not actually be converted, right. To not actually be regenerate. And so that means we, we, I mean, we talk about the gospel really regularly. We, we pray, um, and our prayers reflect like, Lord, we, we need your help. We need you to make us new. We need your forgiveness and, and your grace, uh, especially with my oldest kids. Yeah, They they get it more and more. And so we, we talk a lot about how it's not based on how good they are or what they do or don't do. Um, those things flow out of who they are mm-hmm. and who they're becoming. But we try to connect the, like, here's what fruit looks like. And here's fruit naturally grows out of a life that is regenerate, out of a life that, that trusts Jesus. And so, you know, even in the, the moments when they're fighting with each other, like we, yeah. we, we sit down and, you know, I'll be honest, there's moments as a dad where I'm like, all right, you guys, uh, you're going to hold each other's hand for the next hour. They hate that. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, kind of a consequence, but, but then there's these moments where we sit down and say, Hey, who, who are you becoming and how are you acting? And does this reflect who Christ is, is calling you to be in what he's doing in your life? And we try to just have, I mean, so much of it is just having conversations right. and I guarantee they're not perfect conversations. It's still stumbling our way through conversations, mm-hmm. but really trying to have a, a bigger view of like, Hey, this is what a regenerate life looks like. Here's what it looks like for you to be converted and turn and follow Christ, hoping that God's done that work. And I think he has, but I don't have the, the, um, spiritual x-ray vision to know for sure, but hoping that God does what he can only do right. and regenerate change. And, uh, and I point my kids toward living a, a, a converted type of life. That's, that's not about being good, but it's about being faithful. Mm-hmm. Right. So I imagine someone listening to this right now, there are a lot of different thoughts that could be happening right now. And one of them could be someone is beginning to ask themselves, am I truly saved? Do you have any words of encouragement or some direction for anybody who may be asking themselves right now, like, am I saved? Yeah, I'm thankful if someone's asking that question. And what I would say to them is start by, by really committing to reading through the scripture, start in the New Testament, read the gospels. Yeah. Because I think that, that everything we say to them, there, there's a lot of helpful things that we could say and, and help them think through. But I think that the word of God is so powerful that that is what ends up confirming in our hearts and our minds, like by the spirit of God that indwells in us, like that we are saved. And that's what brings the assurance as we read God's word, Mm -hmm. or it will bring that conviction that will lead us to, to a profession of faith that is, that is born out of the spirit of God working in us. And so I I would not say, well, you know, if you're worried, you need to go to church more and get in a life group. And those are all important. You should do those. Those, those will be helpful. But I think that the single most important thing someone can do is start to really, truly read the word of God, 
start in the book of Matthew and just read through the new Testament mm-hmm. or, or read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and do it again. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or, or grab the book of Romans or Ephesians yeah. that really lay out the picture of, of salvation and just sit down. And, you know, I, I would, here, here's what I would say to do. Read the book of Ephesians 10 times in a row over the next 10 days. You wow. can do it. Sit, sit down, read Ephesians. It takes you, you know, it'll take you 40 minutes to read it. Mm-hmm. Do that for the next 10 days. I think you'll come out on the other side with some clarity and maybe with some questions. Yeah. And typically our listeners, they know how to get a hold of us and mm-hmm. we would be happy at that point to sit down and talk to them. For sure. Yeah. That's, that's a good word. That's a good challenge too. I think, man, I, I totally backed that up 10 times. That would be, cause that's, talks a lot about like the duality of natures inside of us. Isn't is, is, Yeah. And that's, yeah. So the other audience I'm thinking of is maybe someone who's listening to this and kind of in your position is like, man, there are people in my lives that I, they claim to be a Christian, but right now, like I'm starting to question whether or not they are truly a believer. Number one, Mike, there are times when I think to myself, is this person saved? And there's a part in the back of my mind that says, man, should you even be asking that question? How dare I judge someone else's salvation? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I, this is hard because I, I really try hard to assume mm-hmm. the best of people, but then act, act out of ignorance. Like I think it's fair to just say, I, I don't know their story. I don't know where they really are. I don't, I don't know everything going on in their life. And so out of that ignorance, I can, I can ask questions mm-hmm. and, and hopefully do it in a way that's not offensive or whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, but here's the deal. The, the reality of, of talking to someone about their faith and, and asking them if they really know the Lord, you know what that does is that that attacks their pride. Yeah. And, and I think if our, if our pride is, it flares up really easily in that moment. Like, how dare you question my salvation? Then it's our pride that's being injured in those moments that those are when I actually become more concerned because I, I think that someone who, who is regenerate pride, isn't what lands in the equation of that moment. It's, right. it's like a hum, humility of like, yeah, this is, this is who Christ is and this is what he's done for me. And, and I'm, I'm growing in it and I'm figuring it out. And, and, typically a, a regenerate believer will own their sin pretty quickly versus like guarding themselves from the questions of, so where are you wow. at with Jesus? Okay. So I think the scenario was a little bit different in our minds. Uh, I was just thinking generally in general, like sometimes I meet people and I'm like, I don't think you really get it where I feel like the scenario you're outlining is someone who claims to be a Christian, but does not live in a Christian manner. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then you're, you are asking, like, man, do you know Jesus? Because mm-hmm. when you start to asking them about sin or even like, like they, they get upset about that. I think those are the, there's a, there's, there's a difference in what we're, we were touching on, Yeah. but I appreciate what, what you just said, because that's, that's also another very real aspect of my life right now. And anybody's life is like, man, you see all these people who claim Christ, but they are not living in a way that honors God. And I grieve those moments because yeah. when someone is offended, when you bring them to that, and, and hopefully we're doing it in, in humility and mm-hmm. not like judgment. Like I'm, I'm not trying to judge anyone. I'm just trying to right. say, do you, do you really know the savior? Let's right. make sure you do. And they react with pride. That that's scary. You're right. Because on our end, if you're asking those questions, I think it's okay to ask because if you are, if you're listening to this and you're th- starting to con- be concerned about it, uh, I guess that's the key. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that when you ask that question, you're concerned for someone, right? You're not there because you want to like, aha, now I have a silver bullet 
because my pastor's talked about something and now I can nail you for this because that's then yeah you are being judgmental and you Mm -hmm. should not be talking about this but if you're sitting here listening to the elaboration of conversion and regeneration and God brings someone to your mind and you're thinking to yourself man is this person saved I think that's because maybe God is prompting a conversation and or maybe because maybe maybe what if they what if they're not saved and you never bring up that conversation and then they die in a car accident tomorrow Mm. right it's it's God through you. And again, we talked about this. It's not, it's it, God saves them, but God wants to work in and through us. And he wants to reveal himself to you too. So God could be moving through you so that the gospel shared to someone, he saves that person, but also he shows you his faithfulness at the same time. So I think it's okay to, to ask the questions of whether or not the people you know are saved. Because the truth is, I think even Christians are asking themselves, maybe not all the time, but there's a healthy level of like, man, am I saved? <laughs> That's, that goes through my mind mm-hmm. probably more often than, than you would think. I, at least every few months, I, I'm like, what the heck? And the road you take is really important mm-hmm. because if you start saying, well, you know what? I'm actually pretty good and I'm better than this person. And I'm, you know, that that's the dangerous road versus the road that says, you know what? I am a sinner, but Jesus's death and resurrection have paid the price and he and his spirit are working in me. That that's, that's the hopeful road. That's the, the road that leads us to a repentant life, right? a humble life. Yeah. Not a prideful life. Look, look how good I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this conversation, I mean, we, we've touched on a lot of things that there could be a lot of questions. I, I would encourage questions <coughs> about, I would say that as we, um, as we kind of start to venture towards the end here, if you have any questions about any of this, or maybe there's a situation that's come up and you would like to some some insight on how to handle a situation, man, we would love to hear from you. Uh, in the description of this podcast, there are our emails that you can, e- you can reach out to us. If you are listening and you're from our church, you, you have our, our phone numbers. You can text us and we'd love to, to connect with you on that. Uh, Mike, as, as we reach the, the end here, is there anything else that you'd like to, to encourage or say? Yeah, I think I just want to end um, with the doxology out of Jude. You know, it's part of what I read this morning. It says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Mike, thank you for your time today. Uh, it's going to be a good week and uh, yeah, I think that's it for us. So uh, to all of our listeners, Have a great week.